Support for Rule Breaker Investing comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, work with one that has your best interests in mind. Use Rocket Mortgage for a transparent, trustworthy home loan process that's completely online at quickenloans.com fool. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. I'm David Gardner. Pleasure to have you joining me in the madness that is the month of March. Now, for our international listeners, that might not mean much to you. And if you're not really much of a sports fan, and that's probably true of at least a third of the U.S. public, it might not mean much to you. But I know to a lot of you, you share the madness a little bit with me. You may not watch quite as much college basketball as I do this month, but March Madness, of course, refers to the nationwide championship, specifically um, the most traditional and longtime one, the men's basketball championship, and one that um, if you are a graduate of universities that have real stakes in this event, you probably love it as much as I do. I'm a graduate of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, which got a one seed in the South, so you know where I'm rooting. I realize I'm in a tiny minority of Tar Heel fans listening to this. Most of you have another school you're pulling for, and I wish for you that you win all of your games except the one against North Carolina if it pops up. Uh, So, I spent a lot of time watching college basketball in the month of March. When I'm not, I might be doing my weekly podcast. So, here's here's why I'm here with you. But this is about the only time I'm looking to spend in Full HQ for the next 10 days or so. And yes, I am one of those pathetic people who holds himself up in some dark corner of his house and literally does not leave the screen for four days of basketball telecasts that number about 8 to 10 hours a day. So, yeah, that's... I think that's called madness. Well, let's let's have a little sanity before the madness comes this week. I want to share a framework, one that I came across in my reading, one that I admire, one that I want to lay out for you. From time to time, we share frameworks um, through this podcast. So I'm going to lay out the framework, then I'm going to do it, I hope you'd expect me to do, which is apply it to investing. Now, like a lot of things that fascinate me about our world and our culture, This framework itself has nothing to do with investing. It is a good, sound framework on its own. But I think a lot of the time, we make intellectual gains as people and as investors when we pull things from outside of investing itself, pull them in and apply them and see the market or a stock or an investing strategy in new ways as a consequence of pulling something odd from outside, something alien from outside of the investing world and pulling it in for us to use as investors. So that's what I'm aiming to do in 30 minutes or less this week. So let me start by mentioning that this came from a recent essay. If you're a Rule Breakers premium service subscriber, and darn it, I sure hope you will. It's Motley Fool Rule Breakers, and I know a lot of listeners are Motley Fool members. So you'll you'll recognize this because it was a recent essay that I wrote in the Rule Breakers service that I'm drawing from. And it started off by talking about the lovely 2014 book, A More Beautiful Question, The Power of Inquiry to Spark Breakthrough Ideas. Now, if you've never heard of the book, A More Beautiful Question, and if that subtitle sounds alluring to you, The Power of Inquiry to Spark Breakthrough Ideas, I would highly recommend this book for you. It's by Warren Berger, not to be confused with the former chief justice. This Warren Berger teaches us how to form questions how to form new questions that prompt thinking, initiatives, 
actions. We learn through his book that the root of so much innovation is not much more than the intellectual curiosity of a single person, just asking open-ended questions, questions that often start with phrases like, how might we blank, or what if blank? So in the course of his book, Warren Berger introduces us to Deborah Meyer. Now, Deborah Meyer, if you look her up on Wikipedia, she's listed as, quote, an American educator often considered the founder of the modern small schools movement, end quote. That's Deborah Meyer. She is still alive today at 85 years old, very active, continues to blog online. Her work with New York City's Central Park East Schools, a very difficult East Harlem neighborhood, made her famous in educational circles for the gains that she made on behalf of her students by creating alternative schooling that at the time was revolutionary. It's been much copied by progressive schools since. And it's Deborah Meyer's Habits of Mind, her five Habits of Mind framework that I'm talking about this week. So, again, this was part of her curriculum, five habits of mind that she taught to her students. And again, I'm sharing the list with you because I love it. It's just on its own. It's about how to think, which is one of those meta themes that I go back to time and time again in Rule Breaker Investing. If you're a longtime listener, you know that I love to think about how to think. And I love it when you help me think better through mailbag and many other ways. Uh, the Motley Fool community has been invaluable to my thinking about how to think over the last couple of decades. It was a great excuse to start a website in the first place, just to meet other people and for us each to try to make each other smarter. So how to think better and smarter. And here are Deborah Meyer's five habits of mind. So the first one is evidence. How do you know what's true or false? Evidence. What evidence counts? Well, this seems very here and now, very much a part of the national lexicon with talk about fake news and various allegations. And how do we know what's true? Well, that's one of the five habits of mind. Seeking evidence, having evidence, evidence-based assertions, something that is very valuable in 2017. I suspect it was probably just as valuable in 1917 or the year AD 17 evidence. That's the first habit of mind. The second is viewpoint. So how might this look if you stepped into other shoes or looked at it from a different direction? Now, to foreshadow where we're headed this week, you can imagine, I think this is a very valuable trait for investors. We'll be talking about that a little bit later. But just for now, think about students. Think about your own education or that of a child that you're connected to are they encouraged to look at things from different points of view? That was one of the five essential habits of mind that Meyer promoted for her students. So, again, we started with evidence. Number two was viewpoint. Number three is connection. Is there a pattern? Have you, whoever you are, seen something like this before? Are you able to connect through this habit of mind? Are you able to connect what you're seeing with other things that you've seen before as part of your or someone else's experience. Drawing connections, very profound and very valuable. By the way, I should mention, there's no need for you to keep notes uh, if you're unable to because you're, as I often say, if you're driving or jogging, just Google the phrase Meyer's Habits and you'll find this list. Um, 
These terms, by the way, are known by slightly different words. Sometimes synonyms are swapped in by one or another people writing about her habits of mind. I'm just presenting the, the view that I have, but you'll see the consistency. But again, Meyer is spelled, by the way, M-E-I-E-R. So if you just type in Meyer's habits, you're going to find this list. Let's go to number four. After evidence, viewpoint, and connection, number four is conjecture. What if it were different? Whatever this thing is that we're thinking about or studying or exploring, what if it were different? Can you play things forward and imagine how things might play out differently from here? Or looking backwards, if some factor were changed, swapped out, how would things be different today? Are you capable as a habit of mind of conjecture? And finally, number five, relevance. Maybe my favorite habit of mind, personally, relevance. Why does this thing, whatever it is we're talking about, why does this matter? Why is it relevant? So the reason I'm presenting you with these five habits of mind this week is because taken together, evidence, viewpoint, connection, conjecture, and relevance, taken together these form a wonderful regimen for stock research. But I'm actually going to reorder them in what I think is the most appropriate order of these five for investors. Before I do that, support for Rule Breaker Investing comes from Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. When it comes to the big decision of choosing a mortgage lender, it's important to work with someone you can trust and who has your best interests in mind. With Rocket Mortgage, you're going to get a transparent online process that gives you the confidence to make an informed decision. So don't waste time searching through stacks of paperwork. With Rocket Mortgage, you can securely share your financial info to get a mortgage approval in minutes. Skip the banks, skip the waiting, go completely online at quickenloans.com slash fool. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. Thanks again to Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans for supporting our podcast. Again, quickenloans.com slash fool. All right, so now I'm going to reorder Meyer's five habits of mind, and I'm going to pick an example company and just take you through why we ended up picking the stock that we have. And maybe this is helpful for you in your own stock research, your own thinking and exploring, to find new stock ideas using this framework on your own. So I want to start with what I consider to be, I already mentioned it, my favorite of these habits of mine. And I think it's probably the single most critical one to success as an, as an investor. Success, by definition, that occurs over the long term. That's what investing is. And I think relevance, why does this company matter? I think that factor alone probably explains most of my best investments, the best performers. In fact, increasingly I try to insist that my investments be in companies fomenting real, sometimes very disruptive change. Um, that's, those are the rule breakers. I talk about that all the time. Companies that are, and this is critical to me, creating meaningful, positive solutions for our world. I'm not merely interested in something that's disruptive. Um, I, don't, I don't look for disruptive innovation as an inherently good thing if it's just messing with the world order and not adding value. What I love about 
capitalism, particularly as it's been practiced in America over the last century or so, is that typically the winners are the companies that have better products, better services, better practices, and acquire customers who want to buy from them, not the old guys. And those are the companies that go on to succeed. The genetic comparison I've used is those are the companies that are naturally selected by customers and then pass their genes of their business success onto future generations. So very much an evolutionary model, but it's it's about relevance, isn't it? And creating meaningful, positive solutions. For me, those are the companies that are going to work out best for you over the next 10 plus years. Now, my example company I'm going to use this week is Mercado Libre. Mercado Libre is a company that has been one of our better performers in Motley Fool Rule Breakers premium service history. I first picked the stock in February of 2009. I loved the story of Marcos Galperin, the CEO who, from his Stanford MBA class, was writing up the business plan for the e-commerce play that now leads all of Latin America. In fact, he had one of his professors at the time start to link him up with venture capitalists. That's, I guess, a nice advantage if you're a Stanford MBA. They're never very far away, are they? You can shake trees out in California and have people drop out with money for you if you have good ideas. But that was the genesis of Mercado Libre. But if you think about the relevance of that company, you're just thinking about a company that took a great model, electronic commerce, to a whole new area of the world. And really, for more than a decade now, not only has it been a 15-bagger for those who acted on our initial recommendation in 2009, which is only about eight years ago, but it's been a tremendous company years before that, and I think will be for many more years. So, the relevance to me of Mercado Libre is without question, and that's a great sign. The second habit of mind that we now want to apply as investors after that first filter of relevance is evidence. How do you know that this company, whatever company you're looking at, has caught on with customers and is actually succeeding? Well, it's certainly easier when it's a consumer-facing company. You and I can clearly see if a parking lot is full outside of a restaurant or not, even if we can only look at one restaurant and it's just a tiny piece of the overall mosaic, just a tiny little chip, just the one store that's nearby. But at least we can kind of see that. Now, of course, as investors, we can go well beyond the sample size of one or another consumer experience that we have because we have financial statements. One of my favorite things about the investment world and one of the most devastating killer apps ever devised for investors was audited financial statements. The transparency that we can expect probably most of all in the United States of America, which I think has the highest level of disclosure, but in many other and increasing areas of the world, you can actually believe what's in the financial statements. That's so profoundly important. Therefore, making some effort about learning how to read financial statements. And we did that last week on this podcast. I had my five friends in, all analysts here at The Motley Fool, and we covered some of the terms and concepts that you'll see in financial statements. You will be well rewarded for any effort you spend. You don't have to be an accountant to do this. You don't even have to end up being an expert. I'm certainly not in the subject. But when we ask about evidence, that habit of mind, you've got financial statements to refer to. So they're not going to tell us everything, but read the numbers. Are sales growing? What about margins? We talked about net profit margin last week. Are margins trending up? Are the pennies on every dollar of sales that a company has of profit, are those growing? And what about the balance sheet? The simplest concepts on the balance sheet, 
How much cash does this company have in its bank account? And how much debt does it have? And that ratio right there is profound and so simple for anybody who's studied math in third or fourth grade. We're talking about very simple math and just a few terms and concepts that you're going to benefit from. So if you didn't get to hear last week's podcast, I highly recommend it. But um, I'm just talking now about evidence and what we can expect and need to expect as investors. So you have a great opportunity to prove or not how companies are succeeding or not by the transparency we see today through financial reporting. Habit of mind number three of benefit to investors, let's go with connection. That was Deborah's third habit of mind for her students, and I'm going to keep it third for us. Do you see a pattern here? Does some aspect of the business that you're looking at or the stock, does it map to something you've seen succeed before? I think Mercado Libre is a very simple one here. It was profound for me to see the success that Amazon.com had had up to 2009. Um, I first picked Amazon 12 years before that, so I felt like I'd gotten to know the, the company and the industry and the business pretty darn well. We're very internet-focused people here at The Motley Fool. We love internet sites because we can kind of scan them and see how they're doing. And so the prospect of Mercado Libre as just kind of doing what Amazon and in some senses eBay with auctions was doing in America, but instead in Latin America, that was something I could connect with. That was pattern recognition that we had. That was part of our investment thesis. So again, for whatever company that you're looking at or industry or trend, are you able to recognize a pattern? Can you connect it in to a pattern of success you've seen elsewhere? Habit of mind number four for investors, let's go next to viewpoint. And this is one where I put on my conscious capitalism hat. This is another framework I've shared through the podcast. And if you don't know what conscious capitalism is, you can certainly Google the phrase and read more about it or read the John Mackey and Raj Sisodia book on conscious capitalism. But a key tenet of conscious capitalism is that businesses that really succeed over the long term do so because they are pleasing all of their stakeholders, not just one stakeholder group. The typical stakeholder group that is put up as a goal of business or why corporations exist, the shareholder, one of the key teachings of the 20th century that we don't really believe as much, at least those of us here at The Fool in the 21st century, is that the purpose of a corporation is to, quote, maximize shareholder value, end quote. The reason we don't love that phrase is because it doesn't make a lot of sense to us with systems thinking to pick a single stakeholder and say, we're trying to maximize that stakeholder's benefit, in this case, the shareholder, because you can see how things start to break down if you take one of your stakeholder groups and just try to max it out for them. So, Again, back to Meyer's fourth habit of mind here, viewpoint. We like to say, is each stakeholder of a company? I'll give some examples. Customers, um, employees, partners and suppliers, um, shareholders, as I've already mentioned. How about maybe the community, the local community or the online community or the environment? What would that stakeholder say about the company that you're looking at and researching? Does the company create wins for everyone? Now, it's not easy to do. Um, anybody who's worked in an organization before as a professional, for-profit or not-for-profit, probably recognizes that each stakeholder wants something different. And so, customers want to pay less. And businesses want to charge more. 
and employees want to be paid more. And partners and suppliers want the best positioning that they can in the front window or at the top of your ad. And the community wants you to care about it, to notice the environment or the local community outside just your core business focus. The list goes on. Every one of these stakeholder groups has a prime goal, and they all conflict with each other. But again, the stocks that you want to buy, the companies that you want to admire and become a part owner of, are the companies that are led by people who understand how to create four- or five-way wins across all the stakeholder groups that make the decisions that win for everybody. So, when I take Meyer's viewpoint habit of mind, I think about the multiple viewpoints surrounding the stock that you're researching, the company you're looking at, and I would ask, what viewpoints do you see? Fifth and final this week is conjecture. And finally here, what I mean by conjecture is how big, I would say, how big you want to ask yourself, can this company get? What are its chances? Conjecture. I think that's really important. One of the reasons I love market cap, which is just the measure of the value of a company, the market capitalization. I know many of you know this, but I'm always trying to get everybody to know this, so I want to make sure that for any stock you're looking at, you can take the share price that you see for the company, quoted right now out on the open markets, maybe the stock's at $110.75 a share. If you take that number and just multiply by the number of shares that the company has, you've just achieved the market capitalization number for the company. And the reason I love that simple metric, it's just the price tag of a company. So as you're walking through Walmart, you see price tags on all of the products around you. When you're walking through the stock market, you're looking at the market caps of all the different companies. And if you were to join Motley Fool Supernova or Stock Advisor or Rule Breakers, you can go and see our universe of stocks that we cover and recommend, and you can sort that list by one of the factors is market cap. You can kind of see how big are these guys versus those guys, and in particular, since we're talking about conjecture, the fifth habit of mind, I would encourage you to ask, how big do you think that thing can get? So let's go back to Mercado Libre right now. Right now, Mercado Libre is a $9 billion company. So Latin America is never going to be as big as the world, which is what Amazon has pretty well covered. So it's unrealistic to expect that Mercado Libre will, I think, ever get to be the size of Amazon. But what is Amazon's market cap today? And the answer is Amazon today is worth $408 billion. Now, just think broadly of Amazon as covering most of the whole world. Certainly, it's not a dominant company in China at all, but let's just pretend that Amazon's the whole world. What portion of the world, in your mind, does Latin America make up? Now, I have to admit, I'm not bringing one of the habits of mind evidence to this because I'm not looking it up. I'm doing this off the cuff as my weekly podcast, but I'm just going to make up that Latin America, if you think about some combination of the land and the population, is about one-sixth to one-seventh of the world. And as that area continues to rise economically, which I predict it will, you could imagine that maybe Mercado Libre would be worth one-sixth or so of what Amazon.com is worth. And one-sixth of 408, I'm not going to do the exact math here, but it's about $60 billion or so. So I like Mercado Libre today at a $9 billion market cap. I realize what I've just done, that simple numerical thinking is a little bit of smoke and mirrors. By no means 
is there a lot of specificity or evidence that I'm bringing to it, but I'm conjecturing, which is the habit of mind we're using here. And the last one that I think you should use, not the first, the last one that I think you should use as an investor. And I'm supposing that Mercado Libre has a lot of room to grow here at a $9 billion market cap. So this is a company that we purchased 15 times smaller. So this has been a recommendation. We loved this stock when it was sub $1 billion. And we can now see, looking backward, which I don't spend too much time doing, we can now see it was a tremendous buy when we started conjecturing what Mercado Libre could be in 2009. But the past is merely prologue. All that matters, you know this, you and I know this, all that matters to us now as investors is what happens next. And I'm going to predict that Mercado Libre, based on the five habits of mind that I've just taken you through, relevance, evidence, connection, viewpoint, and conjecture. I'm going to conjecture that Mercado Libre is a market beater here over the next five years. This is not one of those podcasts where I'm picking stocks or going to be scoring this. I don't need to because this is already an active recommendation. In fact, it's a starter stock. For those of us who've joined Motley Fool Rule Breakers, you'll, you'll already know that. But I hope it was helpful for me to use a company and kind of take you through those five habits of mind this week. So as we close, let me ask you, I'll just make it rhetorical, since we're asking beautiful questions this week on Rule Breaker Investing, how might you best improve as an investor? I want you to think about that. And maybe, what if you committed to new and greater habits of mind? And that's what we've worked on this week. Good investing is ultimately, I think, not much more than simple actions born of smart and smarter thinking. And that's about all I have for you this week. Now, if you haven't already, I hope you will subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify. You can follow us on Twitter at, at RBI Podcast. I know many of you do. It's fun to interact. That's how we do our mailbag. I want to mention that because I'll be watching too much basketball this month, and I might even be traveling at some point for spring break, I'm going to be pre-taping a little earlier than usual our end-of-month mailbag for this March. I think it's true every March that I do this. So I'm going to encourage you, even though it's a little earlier in the month, if you want to be featured in this month's mailbag, do drop us a note. rbi at fool.com is our email address or at RBI Podcast right there on Twitter. And finally, I hope you're going to give us a review. Throw me some stars. I love to hear what you think of Rule Breaker Investing as a podcast. Let us know how we're doing. You can check out past episodes of Rule Breaker Investing, all the Motley Fool's podcasts at our podcast center. Just go to podcasts.fool.com. And while you're there, you can check out our subscription services. I've mentioned it a lot this particular podcast, but a new issue of Motley Fool Rule Breakers comes out with two new stock recommendations from me the last Wednesday of every month. You can check it out by going to the podcast center and scrolling to the bottom of the page. That's podcasts.fool.com. Now, next week, I'm going to be talking about one of my favorite columns that I've ever read as a businessman and an investor. It's by Malcolm Gladwell. It was entitled, How David Beats Goliath. He turned it into a book. I'm going to be talking about How David Beats Goliath next week. In the meantime, fool on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about. And The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.